Heavenly Father, as we are seeking you this morning, Lord, we also thank you and praise you for the blessings that we have enjoyed in our lives of your sweet spirit. We thank you, Father, for giving us the scriptures. We thank you for sending your Son, for sending the messengers, the prophets, and for all of the blessings that we enjoy, the food and the air and life today. Lord, thank you for eternal life. And we ask, Father, that you would refresh our souls today, Lord. We don't have anyone else to go to, Lord. You have the keys of life and death. And you are our creator, and we worship you this morning. And Father, as we look into your word, we ask humbly in Jesus' name that you'd open up our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your teaching, out of your law. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Not far from where I used to live in California in a city called Grass Valley, <laughs> there, was a, there was a beautiful property that is a very beautiful place to live, and there was a beautiful property that a couple was afraid would be taken from them because they, they couldn't afford the payments on it. It's, a very, it's, not an ex, it's not an inexpensive place to live out there. And so they had this large ranch area, and they were out for a walk with their dog when they noticed that there was a rusty lid sticking up out of the ground underneath this tree. So they thought, well, there must be some trash here. And so they uncovered and found out that there was a can and it looked like a paint can. And it, was, it felt like it had something like lead paint in it. And so they hauled it out and uh, brought it back to throw it away. And they opened it and they found a treasure trove. They went back. This is gold country. Uh, Grass Valley, California is... It's also home to the largest, most productive mine in the United States called the Empire Mine. And they uncovered various others of these cans in the same area, totaling 1,400 rare U.S. gold coins. Wow. Uh, the previously largest reported find of burying treasure had a face value of $4,500 and valued at about $1 million. But this treasure, the Saddle Ridge treasure, had a face value of 28,000 versus, versus just 4,500, bringing the total value over to over $10 million. Suffice it to say, they were able to keep their ranch. But not before the treasuries all went directly to their records to make sure that there were no bank robberies or stagecoach heists and to make sure that that money did not belong to them. And of course, with bated breath, they waited for the news because nothing would be more disappointing than finding 10 million that turns out to belong to someone else. And they found out that indeed it was theirs to keep. So everyone likes buried treasure. Jeremiah 9 tells us that let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. There is a treasure far exceeding physical treasure. Those who have found it know that you cannot place value upon the blessing of God. And knowing God is better than anything. Philippians 3.8 says, Paul tells us, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. We will find out that Jesus is all we need when Jesus is all we have. And He will allow us to go through difficulties and challenges in the upcoming days to teach us that He is enough for us. But we must have that oil treasured up. We must have that change of heart. We must have that revival in our hearts, or else we will give in to the difficulties and the challenges that are ahead. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the knowledge of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
And that's why he was able to say, we're troubled on every side, but not distressed. And that's what we want. We want Christian experiences that are not tied to our surroundings, to the atmospheric elements, to the treatment of others, to our financial condition. We need an inner peace, the peace of God which passes all understanding, to keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And revival means the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to make us like Jesus. And it is possible, friends, to live a victorious Christian life. And it is evidenced by the apostles who started out to be rough, unlearned fishermen and laborers. And they were transformed into leaders of a global movement that we still talk about today. The power of God has not diminished since He worked with those few individuals, those twelve disciples, and He is able to do amazing things with each one of us regardless of our rank, our stature. I think about a man that signed up for a seminary program or a uh, pastoral theology program at Union College, and I know a physician that went to school with this man many, many years ago, probably 60 years ago, and this man was very slow. In fact, he was the slowest, it seemed, in the school. He was very, very slow, and he he knew that if he didn't pass this one class that he had to take, that he was going to fail and not be able to achieve his dream of being a minister. And so he asked his friends, please pray for me because my mind, my mind cannot comprehend this material. And they prayed for him. They, they tried to help him in any way. That man went on to be a division leader in our church, and he preached the 50th anniversary for his class when he came back. God can take any one of us and revive us and transform us if we only seek Him with all of our hearts. Let us not glory in any of those physical things, but let us glory in this, that we understand and know Him, that He is the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. Revival, though, takes effort. We have to be willing to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. It takes faith to achieve what God wants because God does not want any remnant of our trust to be left in the things of this world. He wants it to be anchored fully in Him so that we trust Him and so that He can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves so that we don't mess things up with our own wills. And so He asks us, therefore, to make sacrifices, to trust Him. Just believe me that I'm with you, that I'll help you, I'll sustain you, I will teach you. And He will take us from glory to glory no matter where we start. We have a bright future. But it does take pursuing. Jeremiah 29 tells us the conditions for revival. Then shall you call upon Me, and you shall go and pray unto Me, and I will hearken unto you. This is a promise that you can take to the bank of heaven, that He will listen to you. Don't worry about your feelings. Don't worry about that sickness that you might have. Don't worry about that uh, hereditary tendency that you are troubled with, that you constantly have to resist. The Lord, if you call upon Him, will hear you. And it says, you will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all of your heart. When you invest everything in seeking revival, you will find God. If you have your Bibles, please open to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, and it says in verse 8, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. There were prophets that were talking to Israel and saying, it doesn't matter if you obey. In fact, they may have been saying, it is not possible for you to obey. It is unreasonable for God to expect you to obey. Just follow your heart. Do whatever you want. And we will remain a nation under God. The false prophets were prophesying that Babylon would not overcome Jerusalem that there would be no judgment from God like Jeremiah was prophesying. And God is saying through Jeremiah, don't listen to them. 
don't listen to them. They prophesy, verse 9, falsely. So verse 10 says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. When they got to Babylon again, the false prophets were teaching, no, we can't go back. We shouldn't go back. But he said that after 70 years that you will return, verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And in the context of the promise that they would leave Babylon and go back to Jerusalem, to their inheritance, in this context, God says, then you will go and call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. And then there's the promise that if you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. Verse 14 says, I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driv driven you, saith the Lord. This was a judgment from God and all of us have made mistakes in our lives. We have all suffered because of the decisions that we have made. And yet God is promising, look, you may have been sent into a bad situation because of your own decision to teach you some lessons, but I'm not going to leave you there. If you learn and if you seek me, I will restore you. I will bless you. And in Deuteronomy, it says, in Deuteronomy 28 and throughout the book of Deuteronomy, it says that judgments will come upon those that forsake God. But then if they repent, He will restore them even above their fathers and bless them. And so in the context of restoration, the, the command is made, seek me with all of your heart and I will restore you. Go with me please to Daniel chapter 9 and see a man who took God at his word. Daniel had just had a vision in chapter 8 that made him sick. In verse 27 of chapter 8, I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days because he was astonished at the vision and none understood it. He, he, he understood that unto 2,300 days or years, then the sanctuary would be cleansed or restored. At the time of this vision, where was the sanctuary? It was actually destroyed. He was in Babylon and he didn't understand, what do you mean 2,300 evenings and mornings before that is cleansed? And he had had the previous vision of all the beasts coming, the powers. Babylon had overcome Israel. And then he was expecting Israel to take over now, Babylon. But no, here comes Medo-Persia. And then here comes another beast, Grisha. And that's also in Daniel chapter 8. And he doesn't see the kingdom returning immediately to Israel. And he's sick in his heart. And he doesn't understand this. And so what does he do? Verse 2, in the first year of his reign of Darius, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. He understood that God was going to fulfill his word to bring his people back. So he understood by Jeremiah the prophet. We read that in Jeremiah 29. 70 years. And then what did he do? Verse 3. He prayed because God said, you will seek me and find me if you search for me with all your heart. Then you will call unto me and I will hearken unto you. And he read God's word and he simply took it at face value. Amen. Amen. And he interceded. He is part of the reason why Israel was delivered from Babylon. And you know, friends, one person claiming the promises of God can transform a local church, can transform a conference, a union, a division, and impact the entire church. It does not matter who you are. It matters what the Word of God says. And if you grab a hold of that, if you grab hold of the promise, this is what Daniel did. He set his face, verse 3, unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Does this sound like he was seeking the Lord with all of his heart, yes or no? He was seeking the Lord with all of his heart. 
He prayed, verse 4, and he made confession and he said, Oh Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Does he say, because I keep your commandments? No, he says, you keep your word, Lord. You are faithful. See, when we want to be revived, we need to focus not on, not on ourselves. We need to focus on God's willingness to revive us and His willingness to bless us. We need to talk faith and express confidence in God. And He said, Lord, You keep Your covenant and Your mercy to those who love You and to those that keep Your commandments. But it's because of His faithfulness that all this is done, not because of our keeping it. Amen? Verse 5, we have sinned, he confesses, and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. The reason, friends, why we don't have the latter rain is because we have been disobedient. Do you realize that? That's the reason. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says, If you follow my words, I will open the heavens and I will pour out rain. And if you rebel and follow other gods, then I will close it so that it will be like brass. No rain. If you listen to what the messages of are from the messengers of the Lord, if you follow the things that I say, I will bless you because I'm a faithful God. I keep my covenant. And you know, we can't even follow the Lord's word unless he gives us a heart to follow him. We need new hearts. We need to be transformed. But the bottom line is we need to repent. And we need to repent in sackcloth, so to speak, and in ashes, just like Daniel did. Today is not a day of rejoicing in our church. Today is a day of humility. Today is a day of seeking the Lord and pleading for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Jesus said to Israel, He said, O Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, oh, that thou, oh, I would have gathered you under my wings, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and yet you would not. God is calling us back to repentance by sending us messages of reproof, of testimony from the spirit of prophecy. And if we follow Daniel's example, if we pray and if we confess, then we are going to be released and blessed. And he's going to pour out the rain upon us again. This is what God wants to do for us. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now, it's not a mystery how he does this. It's not like we have to guess when it's going to happen. God is waiting for us to fulfill the conditions by faith in Jesus of His Word in asking and receiving the revival and the rain that He is sending to us. God is a God of His Word. He keeps His covenant. When He says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves like Daniel did, and pray and seek my face, and then turn from their wicked ways, we have to repent of our backsliding. We have to repent of our of our turning away from His counsels and reproofs and testimonies. If we turn from our wicked ways, then He will hear from heaven, He will forgive our sin, just like Daniel was praying for, for forgiveness. And then He will heal our land by sending the rain again. It is not a mystery how it happens. It is a divine formula. God is like math. You can count on Him. He really is. He keeps His covenant, doesn't He? When He says something, two plus five is not sometimes eight. It's seven. Always. The way that God works is dependable. He keeps His Word. I remember when I went to seminary, I hadn't taken enough college math. And I got there and they said, you need to take more math. And I said, why do I need to take math? You know, I'm here for this, to learn theology and to be a pastor. I don't want to take math. I don't have time for math. They said, you still need to take math. <laughs> so I said, I'm not going to pay $700 of credit to take a math class. So I went to a community college and I started to take an algebra class. And I was amazed. 
in seminary, sometimes different professors would have different ideas. And so in one class, it might be this way, and in that class, it's that way. And then the other one's way over there, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, you know, it was just different, okay? Some of them were different. And yet, when I went to algebra class, there was no argument. It was just the answer. It was the truth. And I said, amen. And I loved it. I said, I want more math. This is great. And I even uh, signed up for more science classes. It was just so fun because it's logical and it's true. And God's word is the same thing. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't understand God's word. The Bible says you shall know the truth. Thy word is truth. And the truth shall make you free. And you don't need to have four PhDs to know the truth. The Bible, on the contrary, although it was written also for the scholar and provides material for eternal ages of study, it was written for the common person. The Holy Spirit. Jesus was accused of being unlearned. He was accused. How does this man know letters having never learned? That meant he never learned underneath a certain teacher. Friends, there is no small group of individuals that hold the key to Bible interpretation. The Holy Spirit does. And He has granted His church as a body the decision-making power as a unit. We're not the papacy. We're a representative democracy. Back when Vatican II was going, you could have read an article in Time magazine that said the Pope, not the councils, run the church. The council, the cardinals, the, the, you know, the college of cardinals, they all decided on a certain schema together, on a certain document and propositions and, and uh, tenets, tenets of uh, belief. And it was brought to the Pope and he single-handedly made like 14 corrections. <laughs> No, 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 yes, yes, this, 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 and he went through himself. And they were like, you know, some of them, how dare he? Well, that's actually Roman Catholic law, is that, you know, they're not, represented, they're not representative of the vast global church. Our church is a representative democracy. Each church elects leaders which are sent to constituencies which elect our Uh, 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 conference officers which then have to do with the union and the division and we send our delegates to the general conference session and so God has given us a safety mechanism don't let anybody call you unlearned unless you don't read the Bible if you read the Bible with uh, an eye closely to the text and comparing scripture with scripture and your ear to the Holy Spirit to listen And in humility, seeking the Lord with all your heart, you can have, the Bible says in Psalms 119, more understanding than your teachers because you've made His testimonies your meditations. God makes sense. It is no secret how we can receive the blessings of God and be revived if we follow this. But out of this equation, out of this formula, and it is a formula, it's an if-then, if my people, then this. If you do these things, God is going to work mightily in your heart and your life, and He will transform your church. Someone asked me recently, what do I do about my church? It's a difficult situation. I'd like to tell you a quick story about Maria. Maria was starting a fire. She was starting a fire <clears throat> to feed her fellow seniors at a camp out in California. And she was from the city And she really knew how to cook, but she didn't know anything about fires. And so she took some paper and she crumpled it up and she took a big log and she put it on top of the paper. (laughs) And she proceeded to light the paper. And it looked like success. It looked like success at first. It flared up nicely and oh, she was getting ready to cook that food. And I looked down and made a few suggestions. You might want to start small. Start small. Get some tinder and then some kindling, and then some little larger pieces, and then finally, when you've got something hot, then you add the log. And if you are faithful where you are by claiming this promise, starting a little prayer group, even though it's just another person plus you, you can impact the world. 
just like Daniel did. Just like Daniel did. These promises are sure. Another uh, illustration in chemistry, there's something called the iodine clock. And the iodine clock has some different sulfates, I believe, and uh, salts. And, and it's a clear liquid first, and you add something to that clear liquid, and there's an agitator at the bottom, and you just wait. You just wait. Some, you know, revival doesn't happen instantaneously. Don't get the idea that you're going to just be revived completely in one day. It's a process. But oftentimes it'll happen fast like this. So there's an agitator, and everything is agitating, and unbeknownst to you, there's a lot going on beneath the, the gaze of human ability to see. And, and, and right there beneath everything, all those molecules are starting to bond, right? They're starting to bond the different substances. And then suddenly it reaches the point of reaction. And we all watched as this clear liquid was mixed with another, another clear liquid and mixed together and suddenly the whole thing turned cobalt blue. Boom! And wow, we were, wow, yeah, precipitate. It, it was so beautiful and unexpected and fast. It took a little time for it to mix together, but it happened. Then we kept watching and it turned another color. And then it turned back to clear and it kept cycling through. Why? Because God is a God of order. Because His law is firm. And when He says certain things will happen, they will happen. And what we've been missing from this right here for many, many years is the same ingredient that was in Daniel's prayer of repentance. Lord, we are sorry that we have ignored the testimonies that You have given to us. A pastor asked me, Rich, how do I get over the feeling that I'm getting spanked when I read the testimonies? And I said, brother, if you listen to John the Baptist, do you think you'd have the same feeling? God sends messengers with reproofs to us because He wants us to be healed. And we cannot be healed except we repent. And He's calling us. And so John the Baptist came and He said, repent in Mark chapter 1. And then Jesus came and he said also, repent. And then Jesus' apostle, Peter, came. And on the day of Pentecost, he said what? Repent. Repent. There must be a coming into line. Now, repentance is a gift. Amen? We have to receive it. And if our hearts are hard, we can tell God. Listen, when I read the testimonies, let me tell you, I told you yesterday also, I don't have much time to be thinking about your sins. When I read the reproofs of Scripture, now I have to... You know, I have to minister and I have to share certain things that I don't like to sometimes with my congregation and, and the places that I, I'm at, etc. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot in my life that God is still working on. Levels that I don't even know. Every crisis brings something else. There's a little sharpness to your voice there, Rich. And there's a little irritation in your temper there, Rich. You know, we need to have some healing in that area, Rich. And as I'm reading, I'm being rebuked. But you know what I do while I read? I pray. And I say, Lord, thank you that you're giving me this. And please develop this character trait in me that you're telling me needs to be there. And please take this out of me, which is there. And it's not like God's like, listen, you go fix yourself and come back and report to me and then we'll get down to business. God does not say that. God says, this is the problem and stay right here. We're solving it together. Amen. We're going to take care of this. We're going to transform you so that you can live in peace in my glorious presence. Amen. The testimonies are, yes, they're reproofs. Someone said they're like a box of rebukes. <laughs> Friends, we need the discipline from God. Otherwise, He wouldn't have given it to us. Them that I love, I rebuke and I chasten. We need to turn from our wicked ways. It's time to, time to stop halting between two opinions, being <coughs> lukewarm. We need to receive everything that God has for us. Everything that God has given is essential. It's non-negotiable. Elijah never wrote any scripture. What he said was non-negotiable for Israel. John the Baptist was non-canonical, never wrote any scripture. He was absolutely vital to the prosperity and the success of Israel. The spirit of prophecy today, if we had studied the Bible, we would not have needed it. And yet, since we did not, we need to take the medicine. It is no sense to say to the doctor, well, if I had followed your counsel at first, I wouldn't have needed this treatment. So I'm going to go back and try to do what you told me at the first. 
Too late. Someone walked into my office one day. I was a chaplain at the Weimar New Start Center, which is an excellent place to get well if you have diabetes or heart disease. We saw more walkers thrown away there than I've ever seen in my life, and it wasn't through some dramatic faith healing or anything. It was through walking, proper exercise and diet, and amazing things happened, okay? This man walks in. He was driving a brand-new Cadillac that parked itself, successful <laughs> business owner. He was, uh, he was an excellent marketing genius. He walks in. I said, how are you today, sir? He opens his shirt, and he shows me a big scar. And then he opens, he pulls up his shirt, and he shows me a colostomy bag. He says, does that answer your question? He said, I was here five years ago, and if I had done what I was told, I wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't have had to have this happen. It wasn't God's will that he had the open heart, but I'm pretty sure that if he hadn't had the open heart, he probably would have died. And it's much better to just follow the counsel that God gives us when He gives it to us. And the, the message to Laodicea is non-negotiable. It is a message of repentance. Be zealous, therefore, it says. You might say, Rich, you're being a little zealous about the testimonies for the church. Being a little zealous about following the Scriptures. We're going to talk about Scripture memorization, how that helps us have victory. I gained the victory over addiction to drugs and spiritualism through Scripture memorization. And it's possible to overcome through the power of God, but we need to be zealous about it. Amen. We cannot anymore just, we don't have time. We have work to do. God is calling us. This is the revival that's just ahead. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. We know how this is going to happen. We have to follow the formula. God has told us in his word. I know some people say, oh, the Bible shouldn't be a checklist. Friends, what if I told my wife that? What if she's like, no, honey, I actually would like you to come home at night. And I said, I don't follow checklists. You know, what are you trying to do? Are you legalist? No, no, it doesn't work like that. If you love me, you'll be home at night. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. God has requirements, friends. It's part of a covenant. He will be our God and then we will be His people. We cannot expect Him to be our God if we are not His people. My wife is my wife, but I'm her husband. And so the Bible is very clear. It's not a mystery. Anybody can find out exactly what the Lord requires. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the blood of Jesus Christ, these things I have written unto you, John said, that you sin not. But if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Friends, if you've fallen, get right back up because Jesus is there with full forgiveness. Don't listen to the devil. You should have known better. Be quiet. You got thrown out of heaven. The Lord has died for me, and I believe in His promises. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And it... If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ this cleanses us from a few sins, but not that one. Does that, is, that, is that what it says? All our sins. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. And so there is mercy and there is grace, and yet we have to continue to pursue God and to seek His face and to have Him transform us these things I write unto you that you do not sin. This is what's ahead for planet earth. The earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This hour that we're living in right now of peace and prosperity, of being able to listen to seminars and have all the Bible and the spirit of prophecy on our cell phones and communicate with ourselves in, you know, in uh, chats and in, in messages on the phone and emails and over the phone instantly. All of this right now was purchased by the blood of Jesus, so that we could experience the final revival. And it is not going to be stopped. Friends, Babylon is now reaching unto heaven. It is now united again with one common language, HTML. <laughs> the language of the internet and English. And we are all united and sharing. And if you want to be involved in the sinfulness of earth, whatever you want, 
it's there. And it is fast becoming so corrupted that it cannot go on for much longer. There are little children who are addicted to pornography. Children who have it immediately accessible and it's destroying their brain. Back in 2003, I believe, Marianne Layden, one of the psychiatric uh, professionals uh, of the sexual, sexual Trauma Center of, I believe, the University of Pennsylvania, testified before Congress and she said, I know of no other more damaging influence upon mental health that we have today than pornography. It is serious, not to mention witchcraft and crime and all the things that you have accessible to teach you if you want to know how on the internet. And friends, Babylon is rising to heaven, being united by one language right now. Her sins will soon reach to heaven and she will be judged at the same time in this time. God is preparing a people, taking advantage of that unity that we have through technology, that unity that we have of peace and prosperity, food at reasonable prices, to, to have the time and the energy and the health to search God's Word. And in this time, God is preparing to send a message of mercy to all those who are in Babylon. Right now is a great time to be alive. Amen? So if you want to be part of that, the greatest victory besides a changed life, besides having that personal revival, the greatest victories, we're told, in gospel workers, which are gained to the cause of God, are not by labored arguments. Ample facilities, meaning talent and education, abundance of influence, political maneuvering, and plenty of means or money. But they are those victories which are gained in the audience chamber of God when earnest, agonizing faith, the faith of Daniel and Jacob, lays hold upon the mighty arm of power. With the straight testimony, with Elijah's straight testimony, how long are you halting between two opinions? Choose Jehovah or else choose Baal. But don't be lukewarm. The Laodicean message. Along with that message, what does he do? He kneels and he prays. He prays for the gift of repentance. And we need to pray today for the gift of repentance. We need a deep repentance, a thorough repentance, and not just for ourselves. Daniel prayed not just for himself. Friends, you can impact the world. You can pray big prayers. God, you know, when my kids ask me, ask me for something that I can provide, it makes me so happy because I can provide something good for them. And so, God, when we ask Him for big things, when we say, Lord, give repentance like Daniel, intercede, say, Lord, we have sinned, bless our people. God's like, they think I can do two things at once. This is wonderful. They, they believe that I can actually help someone else besides them. And He answers. We can actually make a difference if we follow the example of Jesus. While He was on the cross, He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Yes, he prayed for himself. Amen? Amen? It's okay. We need to pray for ourselves. Psalms 22, 24 says, He has not despised nor reported the affliction of the afflicted, neither has he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. When we are afflicted, God does not despise our prayers. Along with the straight testimony, along with searching the Scriptures, along with hiding it in our hearts, as Elijah points us to remember the law of Moses, it says in Malachi chapter 4, when Malachi uh, prophesies that Elijah will come before the grateful, great and dreadful day of the Lord, in Malachi 4, 5, along with remembering the Scriptures and reading the testimonies, Elijah prayed. And he even prayed for judgments if they were necessary. Did you know that there was a famine because Elijah prayed that there would be a famine? And why did Elijah pray? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says that if God's people apostatize, that the rain would not fall. To turn them back to the life giver. 
And so Elijah took God at his word, and he is, God is looking for Elijah's today. Will you be that Elijah to search out the word of God for yourself? Elijah said, let it be known that you are God and that I have done all these things according to your word. And he prayed for Israel. He prayed for Israel, just like Jesus interceded for others. We must have faith when we're seeking revival. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. What does faith look like? Faith looks like continuing to ask for what God has promised, even though you don't see it. Elijah kept asking for the rain. Six times after his first prayer. On the seventh time, he saw an evidence and he said, he didn't even wait for that. Well, maybe that's just, um, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's not going to turn out into anything. No, he said, the Lord has heard me. And we must have faith. When God promises something in his word, let me tell you an amazing story. When I was in seminary, I was a poor seminary student. One morning I woke up and I had less than $3 and I needed to buy some groceries and things for my family. Seems like a hopeless situation. Young daughter, you know, the age of about one years old, a one-year-old and my wife, and I felt like a miserable father. You know, the Bible says, if any man does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he's denied the faith, and he's worse than an infidel. And so I prayed, and I said, God, you told me that I'm supposed to provide for my house. And then I turned it back to the Lord, and I said, Father, you are my father, and I'm part of your household. <laughs> And so I pray that you would provide for me part of your house so that I can provide for my family. And I claim Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need. I just took the naked promise of God, exactly what it said. He will supply all your need. And I determined that whatever I needed that day, the, the, the Lord would provide it. I didn't look, don't limit God. Don't ask for $15. Don't do it. Ask him for what you need and tell him, I think I need this, but bless me and help me and provide for all that I need. And I, pl I prayed a very short, simple prayer. That night I took my less than $3 and I went to the cheapest store in town. Varian Springs, Michigan. You know which store that wasn't. <laughs> and I went to this store and someone met me there on a bike that was too small. It was a child's bike. This was a college student, foreign student from another country. It appeared, for all I know, it was an angel. Sun was setting, and she asked us for directions to the more expensive store in town. And we said, well, it's just you go down here. We were at, uh, at the time, it was Schrader's or Harding's or something. I said, go down this street, make a right, go down about a mile, and it's on your right. We thought, we can't let her go down on this little tiny bike. Here, let's just take you down there. So we put her bike in our van, and we drove down to Apple Valley. We were so poor that we couldn't afford the gas to drive one mile back. And so we just decided to spend our little pittance at Apple Valley. Walk in, produce section, someone intercepts me right past the produce section. Someone in, in my small group that I was leading. And she said, Rich, I haven't seen you in a little bit. And I wanted to give you this. It's good to see you. And she slipped something in my pocket. Wasn't supposed to be at this store tonight. And this isn't the last of the story. I looked at it later. It was a crisp folded $100 bill. 2005. It was worth a little more than it is now. And we rejoiced. The Lord had provided. I'll tell you, if you have $3 and you get $100, you may as well be the richest person in the world. If you don't have money to drive a mile... You are, you know that the Lord has provided for you. And we put fresh fruits and veggies and cereals and breads and whatever we needed, we put in the cart. And we went and we stood in line. There was a man standing one person back from us and he started talking to us. What do you do? I said, well, I'm a seminary student. Where do you work? I work at the print shop. We're just there printing bulletins. For, oh, yeah, my daughter's graduating. That's why I'm in town. Never been to town before. I live in Montana. He said, so, so what's seminary like? And then he asked another question to follow up. He said, it's hard, isn't it? And I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know if I looked dumb or... <laughs> so, I, so I didn't say anything. I was just like, 
<laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Does he mean the stuff is, you know, not good to learn, or I'm dumb, or I don't know. <laughs> so didn't know what he meant. And then he answered his own question that he, that he asked as a follow-up. He said, I mean financially. And as he reached forward, he put something in the same pocket that I still had $100 folded up in. Never seen the man in my life. He said he'd never been to Berrien Springs before. And I'd never seen him since. And I looked at it later, and it was another crisp, almost identical $100 bill. And I went there with less than $3, and I left with 200 and two and something of food and groceries. Because the Lord stands back of His Word. If you seek Him with all your heart, we have had this over and over again. Not for selfish purposes. We want to serve others and help others. When all our children were born, we were in ministry. We were working. We were, we were you know, I was a seminary student, student and teaching and, and preaching and, and doing ministry. And with each of them, I knelt down and I said, Lord, we need our sleep. Please help this child to sleep well at night. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand, we were very busy. And I knelt down with my wife together. Is my wife here? Yes, we did, didn't we? <laughs> we prayed. We said, Lord, please help this child to sleep. And we prayed that for each one of our children. And they all slept all through the night after the first, you know, when they, when they learned to nurse, you know, long, you know, be, long enough periods between. And that was it. They never, we do not know what it's like to be up with kids. Four kids. And we've never, I, the, I mean, I, I feel like it's terrible if they get a cold now and they wake up. I'm just like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, I never had to do that at all. Why? Because we asked for strength so that we would do His will. And I could tell you story after story. Can I tell you one more? Real quick. We're almost done. This was an amazing miracle. Faith means taking God at His word. I was a student at Weimar, and I had a a tailbone injury. And uh, it was very painful. And I thought that it would go away with time, and I, and I prayed and I asked God to take it away, but I, I didn't really press the request. I didn't have enough faith. And, and, I, and I don't mean that everything that we ask for, if we just have enough faith, we get, because sometimes it's not God's will. Right. But you'll know at the end of the story that this was His will. It was just that I needed to pursue Him. And some people are satisfied with the troubles that they have, and they quote 2 Corinthians 12, and they say, well, this is just my thorn in my flesh. You know, it's just my thorn in my flesh. And I ask, did God tell you that? Are you sure God told you that? Because if he didn't, keep asking. <laughs> and when he says, don't bother me, like he told Paul, then you can stop asking. And so it was, it was getting steadily worse, steadily worse. And it came to the time when I had to go out and do literature evangelism in Reno the next weekend. And that was my job as a student. And I wanted to go and I wanted to witness and go door to door with sacred literature and talk to people about the second coming of Jesus and, and how to be healthy and etc. So I was very disappointed. I couldn't go because I could hardly walk. I was in pain. And I said, Lord, I want to go and work for you. And a still small voice said, well, if you're going to go work for me, why are you worrying about it? I thought, yeah, that's true. If he wants to have me go, he'll heal me. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to worry about it because I work for him. And so I knelt down and I claimed the promise. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And in Mark, whatsoever you ask, believing you will receive. And I said, Lord, I'm going to do your work. And if you want me to do your work today to save souls, then I ask that you please heal my tailbone. In Jesus' name, amen. And I felt a hand laid on my shoulder. I was in a room alone. I was kneeling. Short prayer. I felt a hand laid on my shoulder. And I felt a power surge go all the way down my spine to the the soles of my feet. And I stood up and I was completely healed. Because if it's God's will, it's His bill. And we know... We know, and I I could tell you story after story, that God's Word is power. He is so faithful 
He's so dependable. And where he has promised, promised a great revival at the end of time. He has promised, I will send Elijah. He has given us, like I said yesterday, you think it's hard to read the testimonies. You haven't written them. That's hard. Because you're not on the A-list when you write those. People don't like you. And she suffered. You read the testimonies, the first, oh, it's just amazing. They are such a blessing. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, get the first lecture in the ABC. The first lecture talks about this more fully. Yesterday, we kind of just did, did a broad overview. But here's the text that I claim, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I want to close by just inviting you to be a part of a powerful revival prayer movement. If you go to revivalplan.com forward slash revivalplan.com forward slash pioneer prayer. Pioneer prayer. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow. Sign up. We're going to be praying for half an hour a week until the general conference session. So from June 25 to June 25, 2020 is one year. And we're going to pray once a week we're going to start small groups, and our goal is to start 1,000 small groups in every division, claiming the promises of God and also praying through the testimonies. The requests are taken directly through from the testimonies and supported with Scripture. And if we take God at His word, God does not rebuke us if there is no way for us to fall into line with that rebuke. He would be unreasonable. Where He says, Fathers, I want you to be kind to your children. That means it's possible to be a loving father. If he says, wives and husbands, you need to respect each other. That means that it's possible to do that by his grace. And we need not only revival, but we need repentance. We need reformation. And so we'll talk more about this tomorrow. Actually, there's sign-up sheets as well. If you can't get online right now, just uh, at either door, there's a clipboard, I believe, and it says Pioneer Prayer. And there are various ways that we can do this. WhatsApp, on the phone, on location, starting small groups. And our goal is 13,000 groups. And a group constitutes at least two, uh, is constitutive of at least two people. So we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to talk more about this. We need a plan for revival, and it's possible. God stands by his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, because of your faithfulness. We pray, Lord, like Daniel that you keep your covenant with us, that you keep your word. And Lord, we're so needy. We're your children and you are our father. And we ask, Father, that you would revive us, that you would bless us and that you'd make us a blessing today. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.